This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. When our heart is in sync with God's heart, that when we see a lost soul, a lost people, a lost world who reject Christ, our heart should be like God. It should be filled with great sorrow and continued grief. It should put, do something to our heart that when we walk out here and say, well, I, I'm okay with God. I went to church. I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. And we walk the streets and we live in this world, have no concern for the lost. The state of our world is a very grave matter. We are rapidly approaching Christ's second coming, and as much as that gives us reason for joy and hope, it also signals the beginning of an eternity of torment for those who choose to reject God. As Pastor Eddie continues to lead us through Romans, we see the reflection of God's heart in Paul. God loves all of us with an incredible love, and it grieves him to watch us choose rebellion and sin over a relationship with him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 9 for today's edition of Running the Race. Romans chapter 9 verse 1. I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continued grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse for Christ, from Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers. And from whom, according to the flesh, came Christ, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. We'll stop there. In our last study, we ended with the first section of the book of Romans. The first section of the book of Romans are from chapters 1 through 8. And in chapters 1 through 8, we saw the Apostle Paul giving us the doctrine of faith, the principles of salvation. And so uh, just by a way of a breakdown, uh, from chapters 1 to 3, we saw uh, Paul wrote about sin, and it talks about condemnation. And then in four, chapters 4 and 5, he gives us salvation. So from condemnation, we now are, uh, we are justified. So from condemnation to justification. And then from chapters 6 through 8, uh, there is sanctification. Condemnation, we were condemned. We believed in Christ, we've been justified. And now we're being sanctified. And so that is the first section of the book of Romans, the first eight chapters of the book of Romans. For you students, and for those who really like to study the scriptures and look at the whole scripture as a whole like I do, I love to look at the style of writing and what Paul, we see the theme. That's the reason why we, read, we study it book by book. We don't just take verses here and there and give you some series and topicals. Uh, we want to give you the, 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 the counsel of the whole word of God. And we're studying the book of Romans because Paul wrote a letter. I mean, we, again, we divide it in chapters, in, in, in verse, and so we, we tend to take out pieces and portions of it. 
And so, but for you students, when we study the epistles of Paul, Paul has a writing style. And in all of Paul's writing, Paul always first gives us doctrine, which is very important. He always gives us the doctrine. Then he gives us the practical. And, you know, many people like to just focus on the how-tos, you know, but don't understand the doctrine. And that's why we fall, because we just want to know the shortcuts. We just want to know how to. Just give, just give me the facts, that kind of deal, Right? And so, but Paul always writes uh, in all his letters, you'll find he'll give us doctrine first and then he, uh, he will give us the practical. However, here with the book of Romans, after Paul has given, given us the doctrine of faith in chapters one through eight, before he gets to the practical. Now, the practical part in the book of Romans is from chapters 12 to 16. So he gave, he gave us the doctrine and just before he gives us the practical, in chapters 12 to 16, right between the, the doctrine and the practical, Paul inserts a section, which is the second section. And he inserts a section in his letter writing about Israel, writing about the Jews in chapters 9, 10, and 11. 9, 10, 11. This second chapter, this second section, I'm sorry, in chapters 9 through 11 can be a hard chapter to understand because when those who study the books and they study the book as a whole, you come to wonder why. Why is there some kind of interruption here in his letter to the church of Rome? Why did he just give us all these doctrines and tell us, hey, we've been condemned, we've been justified, we've been sanctified, and then all of a sudden we're talking about Israel. It's as if he had a mental hiccup. And so you wonder, you start thinking, and it's, this is why sometimes for some people, this is part of a hard part uh, to study, uh, to understand in these three chapters. Why did Paul insert this section about Israel instead of going straight to the practical? Because you see, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we know that the word of God is inspired. Yeah, it's written by man, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul knew that after telling us the doctrine from chapters 1 through 8, he gives us, he actually tells us this doctrine of being justified simply by believing. We don't have to worry about the 613 commandments and all the rules and rituals. That's great. And nothing can separate us. And he ended up with something really glorious. I mean, in our last study, it was beautiful. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So he ends the first section in chapter 3 with nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then in verse 36, he says, Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ the Lord. We are left with that. And right, we know, okay, we got that. I'm solid. Uh, I, I'm being justified. I know the love of God is so powerful. It can't separate me from, from that. I'm at peace with that. But now, Paul understands. Paul is a thinker. He's even a better thinking now that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's inspired by God. When we hear that, we start thinking, well, what about the Jews? What about the Jews? Wait a minute. Are not the Jews the chosen people of God? There's people who say, well, this relationship we have with God is, is secure. Nothing can separate us. But wait a minute. What about the relationship God had with the children of Israel? Are they not the chosen one? Are they not the apple of God's eyes? Are they separated from God's love? If they, who were once God's chosen people, are no longer walking with him, what chances do we have as Gentile Christians. So that's going to start in 
that's going to linger in your mind. Will the same thing happen to us? And so Paul knows that these questions will be asked, so he inserts in the second section in his letter, in chapters 9 through 11, using Israel as an illustration. And using Israel as an illustration, he's going to prove God's love. He's going to prove God's sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. He's going to prove God's faithfulness, even to the children of Israel. He has to point that out. Because you know people always tend to think the worst things. You know, they don't think about all the good things, right? When you make a mistake, oh, they never forget it. All the good things you have done, you know, nobody, you know, you, nobody remembers that, right? And then anything that happens, they blame you. <laughs> so instead of blaming God, you know, instead of blaming Israel, they blame God. But God has been so faithful with the children of Israel. And so in this second section of the book of Romans from chapter 9 through 11 is known as the dispensational. It is the hope. And chapter 9 is going to speak about Israel's past. It's very simple. Chapter 9 is Israel's past. Chapter 10 is uh, Israel's present state right now, and chapter 11 is going to p- talk about Israel's future. Israel's past, present, and future in chapters 9 to 11, he inserts it in there between doctrine and between the practical. And I think it's important for us. We understand doctrine now. We know we've been justified. We know, and we're going to get to the practical, but Paul just wants to insert this in just to secure and let us know how God was faithful in God's love with the children of Israel. So in chapter 9, it talks about the past, his election. God had past, past dealing with Israel, showing his sovereignty. Uh, he's going to talk about his present in chapter, Israel in the present in chapter 10, you know, the rejection. God's present dealing with Israel it shows, you know, shows his love still, even with Israel today. And he's going to talk about the future of Israel, chapter 11, with his restoration. God's promise dealing with Israel is going to show how faithful God is. God still is not done with Israel. And with that said, this is very important, especially for you Christians, because Christians have fallen easy into this. There was a teaching called replacement theology. And replacement theology were teaching because the Jews have crucified Christ. Because the Jews have crucified and rejected Jesus Christ, they are no longer the chosen ones. And that's a false teaching. And that's why we have anti-Semitism. You know, that's been, Israel always had enemies. It should, Christians should not have an ounce of hatred towards the Jews. Or shouldn't fall into the world where they have it. God is still not done to Israel. Again, the Bible you have in your lap right now, I just want to leave you with this thought. It's, a, it's, it's, what, it's, it's not, uh, uh, it's Eastern centric. It is, it, is, it is a Middle Eastern book. And the problem is we tend to interpret that scripture in our Western culture as if America is written all over the Bible. Absolutely not. You need to understand that. And so that replacement theology, God is not done with Israel. So that's why you see Israel is still a miracle today. With all the surrounding countries, the only country that wants to be annihilated by every other country in the world. And it's been since the beginning, <laughs> And even it's small in the state of Jersey, it's still thriving and growing and flourishing. And it's still with all the enemies. If you look at it, just go home. And I know you know where it is in the map. But just really look at it and spend time and see the surrounding enemies that are surrounded around Israel. And then they have the Mediterranean Sea. Israel is a clear proof that there is a God. There is a God. The only group of people that they say after four generations would lose its culture, would lose its language, would lose to, to, to actually ex- uh, fail to, would not even exist to be a people is impossible. 
still maintain their belief in God, their Judaism. They still maintain their language, their culture, and they're still growing. So God is not done with Israel. And we need to understand as Christians, and we shouldn't even, you know, Satan is the prince of this earth, of this world, and he's going against Israel. He's going against the Jews. Yes, God has not forgotten them. And it's sad that we would actually, you know, go in and play along with that. You're not of this world, the Bible says. Do not be transformed of this world. Be transformed by your new mind in God. And so I just want to put that out there, being that we're dealing with Israel. So let us continue with our study with the book of Romans in the second section, chapter 9, verse 1. Let us look at verse 1. He says, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. I tell you the truth. What truth is Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about everything he has been telling us from chapter 1 through 8. That everything he's been saying from chapters 1 through 8 is true, including the Jews. For example, a perfect example, he said, for all have sinned, that's including Jews. Remember, we were like in God's courtroom, remember? He brought those that never heard of God. He says, they, you know, the, the, the heavens, uh, all the creation can testify of his glory. They're, they're, they're without excuse. He's talking about the moralists, thinking that because they are right morally, they say, hey, you sin just as much. And then he talks to the people of the covenant of the Jews. He says, they also are without excuse. And that's what Paul proves his case. And he says, for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. He said, I tell you, the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bears me witness in the Holy Spirit, verse 2, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. And Paul, what he's doing, he is after saying, listen, I am saying the truth here. Uh, my conscience is clear and I have the Holy Spirit as a witness. And what he's doing, he's expressing his concern for Israel. His concern was not sentimental, it wasn't traditional, it wasn't fleshly, but rather his concern was validated by the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit was a witness to him. And the Holy Spirit is a witness that Paul's heart was filled with bitter sorrow and unending belief for his fellow brothers, his brethren, his Jews, his Israelites. And it's important, just on a side note, to understand that Paul is writing this letter to the believers in Rome. Because there weren't only Gentile believers, there was also a few Jewish believers. But we know that the Holy Spirit was a witness to him, even, uh, even the fact that you and I are reading these very words in our Bible today proves that the Holy Spirit bears witness to him, because who's inspired the whole word of God you have in your lap? The Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit bears witness, and here, 2,000 years later, the Holy Spirit is still bearing witness to the truth that was in the heart of Paul for his brethren, for his fellow Israelites. Now, this is very important. The reason the Holy Spirit is a witness to Paul, the reason the Holy Spirit was a witness to Paul's great sorrow and continued grief is because that is really the heart of God. It wasn't a fleshly heart. Remember, it was sincere that the Holy Spirit said, yes, that is so true. His heart was beating with God's heart. When he came to his brethren who rejected the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, Paul's heart was filled with great sorrow and, and continued grief. And can I tell you something, saints, Christians? Listen, the same should be with us. The same should be for you and I who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
when we truly have the heart of God, when, we, when our heart is in sync with God's heart, that when we see a lost soul, lost people, a lost world who reject Christ, our heart should be like God. It should be filled with great sorrow and continued grief. It should put, do something to our heart that we walk out here and say, well, I, I'm okay with God. I went to church. I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. And we walk the streets and we live in this world, have no concern for the loss. I'm convicted of that myself because sometimes I forget. But, you know, I praise God that, you know, when you're around fellow believers, just as you, you know, we're encouraged as a church that we know that our responsibility is not just to play church. It's not just to be in a building, but to be effective body of Christ in this generation to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we do this together when we do outreaches. And every opportunity that our church has, we will go out there and share the gospel. When we look at the Beatitudes in, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. When he said blessed, really mean happy in the Greek. Happy are those who mourn. Now, that may sound weird to you because I'm mourning. How can I be happy? You know, I mean, I don't have multiple personalities. That happy and blessed to be mourning is the reason to mourn. It's not because you lost someone. The mourning is happy are you that you mourn because there is sin. It should affect us. Our heart should be in sync with God's heart, not only for the loss, but the fact that there's even sin. When we have the same heart as his heart, the Holy Spirit will too be a witness for you. Because it's not your heart you're seeing. When I surrender my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I invited him into my heart. The Holy Spirit's into, in my heart. He did a renovation, removed everything that wasn't of, of the Lord. And now that heart is now in sync and it's beating with the heart of God. And that should always be our goal, saints. That should always be our goal, that we want to be one with him. And that if his heart is beating, you know, it's like, you know, if somebody were to play the drums, look at it be, and, you know, you ever see those people that are trying to clap between? No, we, we want to be in sync with the Lord. When we see a person, and I, this question is something for you to ponder, take home, maybe meditate it from you, and, and take it home. When you see someone that, that doesn't know Jesus and reject Christ, family, friends, co-workers, when you see it, what is in your heart? When you know that they are not saved, when you know that they don't believe in Jesus Christ, did, did it ever occur to you that if you really love your friends and you really love your family, you really love your neighbors, and you really love people in the world, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it occur to you that, hey, I, would not, I want nothing bad to happen. I want no harm for them. But do you understand that if we just let it go, if our heart's numb, it's not beating with God, if we don't care about their salvation, that's eternal damnation for them. Do you care? Do we care? Does the church care that our friends are dying and people are going to hell? That's the truth. I'm sorry, I'm not here to tickle your ears. That is the truth. And so this is why Paul, he, you know, he's expressing his love for his fellow brethren. And, and I, you know, that is my prayer. That is my prayer. I said, Lord, I want my heart to beat with yours. I said, may my spirit be the same in your, as your spirit. And I pray that that would be your prayer as well. We can't be selfish Christians. Say, okay, well, I'm at peace. I, I, you know, I went and I repented. I'm going to church. And now, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know about anybody else. I don't care about anybody else. That's, that wasn't the heart of Christ. That's not what we're called. Jesus said, be a witness. He says, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit 
that I have great sorrow and continued grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed for Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Paul's love for his brethren. This is how much love he has for his brethren, for his fellow Israelite was so strong that if it were possible, if it were possible, he was willing to be forever cursed. He was willing to be cut off from Christ so that they might be saved. Can't, I don't know about you. Can we say that about anybody? Lord, I, I'm willing to go to hell, be condemned <laughs> for my family, you know, for my children, for, for, for my neighbors. For my, I'm willing to be condemned if it were possible. That's why he said, I only could wish. Now, we know that giving up our salvation will not and cannot cause other people to be saved. It, 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 that's not the way it works. But that's why Paul says, for I could wish, because Paul knows theology. We're studying, you know, uh, his writings inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. So you, you, you can't do it for your brother. You can't do it for your sister. You can't do it for Aunt Susie or Uncle Tom. They need to make that decision for themselves. No one can make a decision for someone else's salvation. That's why we don't believe in a baby baptism when they do that in, in other denominations. And once they die, it's too late. You can't do it. You can't say a prayer from heaven. They had their chance. That's why Paul said, I could wish that I myself were cursed for Christ for my brethren. You know, Moses has met, had offered God the same thing. The same thing with Moses. Back in Exodus chapter 32, you'll find that when Moses was coming down with the tablets, uh, the commandments, the children of Israel, during the time he was away, the children of Israel, you know, they turned away from the Lord into idolatry. So the Lord said, listen, I hear something down there and I know it's not good. Moses goes down and what did they, they do? They formed and they, and they created a golden calf and started worshiping an uh, idol. The Lord said, that's it. I'm going to wipe them out. <laughs> I, they saw the hand that I, they saw how I dealt with Pharaoh. They saw how I set them free from idolatry, a, a world full of idolatry. They saw the waters depart. When they were hungry and there was no food, manna came from heaven. When they were thirsty, water came from the rock. And I've been nothing but good to them. And I showed them everything that was impossible according to science. They knew it was supernatural. And now they turn to a golden calf. Moses goes back up to the Lord. And this is the heart. And I think the Lord wanted to see the heart of the deliverer, the promised one. Because Moses is a type of Christ, you see. He wanted to say, listen, Moses, you still want to be, he's just testing Moses here. Moses goes before the Lord in prayer for his people. I'm We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the Book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. You can also connect with us on social media, like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. 
Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.